Welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Today, we will bring you our annual Labor Day special. We honor all workers, those who are waged as well as those who are now unwaged. While Labor Day is generally celebrated across the United States as the day to unofficially mark the end of summer with picnics, barbecues, and other ways to spend time with friends and family, this year, however, like last year, many will have social distancing on their minds because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Scientists and medical experts are rightly worried that gathering in crowds will result in a spike in COVID-19 cases, as has happened on other federal holidays. And indeed, the CDC has asked people not to travel uh, during the Labor Day holiday weekend. Uh, still, Labor Day is vital and important, including uh, us knowing the roots of Labor Day, as well as the rem to remember the struggles facing organized labor today. For a piece of nostalgia, let us go to the song sung in so many union halls, Solidarity Forever. Solidarity Forever Solidarity Forever Solidarity Forever For the Union makes us strong When the Union's inspiration Through the workers' blood shall run There can be no power greater Anywhere beneath the sun Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union makes us strong. Alrighty, so solidarity forever. This year, the context of Labor Day is one of great challenges. Nearly 140 million people in the United States live at or close to the poverty line, according to the Institute for Policy Studies and the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Women and children represent 73% of the poor in the United States, with the majority of them being black and brown. In Los Angeles, there are at least 60,000 homeless people on the streets every night, and homeless encampments are springing up in every city across the United States. The few voting rights that remain uh, for um, Im impacted communities are being stripped away. The women's right to choose and autonomy is being violated as evidenced by the recent uh, support um, refusing to stop the abortion, the devastating abortion law in Texas. The brutal fight over COVID-19 restrictions and vaccines continues. The rise in racist attacks against black, brown, and Asian people, as well as members of the Black Lives Matter movement continues. Police killings of unarmed and innocent black people also continue. And on people's minds, the messy end of the U.S. war and occupation in Afghanistan now unfolding. And there is increased concern over the Delta variant of COVID-19 as hospitalizations have reached the highest level since last winter and for 
a new kind of uh, strike action. Teachers in Chicago, some of them are striking not for better wages and working conditions, but against taking vaccines. Meanwhile, hurricanes and wildfires continue to strike the U.S. and the world as a whole, bringing attention to the urgent state of the environment. This especially evidenced by the destruction created by Hurricane Ida in the Gulf region and now in New York City, where eight people have died and there is widespread flooding. And indigenous people are opposing pipelines that some claim, including organized labor, will bring jobs and others say will destroy the environment as well as sacred sites. Uh, today, we are going to be uh, partnering uh, with the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. We have partnered with them over the years for our Labor Day special. and. In spite of all of the challenges, they will mark their 42nd annual Labor Day event. And due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the coalition is unable to march the streets hand in hand with their union sisters and brothers, community friends and supporters as they have for so many years. Uh, furthermore, due to these unprecedented times, many families have been economically affected or, and are in need of help. With this in mind, the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition will join other labor unions to do a massive food distribution on Labor Day. On Labor Day, Monday, September 6th, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., the coalition will host its Labor of Love food distribution event to help feed those in need. Uh, joining us uh, for the hour. Ramon Ponce de Leon, president of ILWU Local 13. Also, Armando Olivas, executive director of the Labor Community Services and affiliation of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. And Larry Baragan, who is a 32-year member of the United Steelworkers Union Local 675 and chairman of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines. I'm Max Pringle with these headlines. The remnants of Hurricane Ida have slammed into the northeast region today, unleashing floodwaters and killing at least nine in the tri-state region. New York and New Jersey have declared states of emergency, and some 200,000 people are without power. More from Feature Story News' Simon Marks. For the first time ever, New York City was placed under a flash flood emergency as large parts of the Big Apple were inundated with water. More than three inches fell in Central Park in just 90 minutes. Images on social media showed the baggage reclaim area at Newark Airport completely submerged, torrents cascading into New York City subway stations and the authorities scrambling to keep up. Jumani Williams is the New York City public advocate. This is a, a combination of climate change meeting a infrastructure that really wasn't ready for the old normal, much less 
the new normal. Governor Kathy Hochul, still in her first week in the job, declared a state of emergency for New York. The governor of New Jersey followed suit. I'm Simon Marks. Meanwhile, Ida's aftermath in the Gulf region is still being assessed as crews begin to clear the wreckage in Louisiana and elsewhere. The power was back on in much of New Orleans. At least four deaths have been recorded and about a half million people remain without water. Outside New Orleans, thousands of people can't return to their flood-damaged properties. Authorities are waiting for floodwaters to recede so they can truck food, water, and supplies to affected communities. Officials said a gas shortage was hampering hospital staff, food bank employees, and other critical workers. The White House says President Biden will visit the region. U.S. climate envoy John Kerry met with the Chinese foreign minister today as he wraps up an Asia trip where he's laying the groundwork for an upcoming international climate summit in Scotland this autumn. Kerry said China needs to expand its efforts to reduce carbon emissions to hold back the rise in global temperatures. The State Department says Kerry told Chinese Vice Premier Han Jing in a virtual meeting that there is no way for the world to solve the climate crisis without China's full engagement and commitment. China is the world's largest carbon emitter, followed by the United States. Kerry is in the eastern Chinese port city of Tianjin for talks on stronger efforts to curb rising temperatures. Chinese officials urge the U.S. to ease sanctions on the country over issues like human rights. The Supreme Court voted not to block a new law in Texas that bans abortions for most women. The so-called Heartbeat Act bans abortions after the detection of a fetal heartbeat for about six weeks. Many women do not know they're pregnant at six weeks. The law gives any individual the right to sue doctors who perform an abortion past the six-week point. As vaccination levels increase in Australia, the premier of the state of New South Wales, which includes Sydney, has announced that strict COVID-19 restrictions can begin to be eased. New South Wales had seen a recent spike in COVID cases fueled by the Delta variant. Future Story News' Sean Bendley reports. From early Friday morning, exercise in local government areas in Sydney will no longer be limited to an hour a day, although the overnight curfew will remain. The state's Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, says she's confident further relaxations are coming but only for those who've received two doses of the vaccine. I wanted to also remind our citizens that 70% double dose will be different, will be a different life to what we're experiencing today. Uh, 70% double dose vaccination will allow us to do those things we've all been missing. It will allow us to um, interact with one another safely. But again, I want to stress this. The privileges will extend to people at 70% double dose are only for those who are double vaccinated. And that's Sean Bindley reporting. Fire officials say they've caught a break in the high winds fueling the Caldor fire approaching Lake Tahoe and neighboring Nevada. The fire forced tens of thousands of people from the area, but forecasts call for the winds to calm heading into the weekend. Officials say they hope to use the calmer weather to get a handle on the blaze. Christina Honestad reports. The Caldor fire's 20% contained. It's already destroyed 729 homes and other structures, damaged 43, and injured 5 people. Most of that damage is in the southwest end of the fire, near Grizzly Flats. Some repopulation is happening in the area, as firefighters there are in mop-up mode. More than 15,000 firefighters, with help from out-of-state crews, are battling dozens of California blazes. 
The National Guard has sent in more than 1,000 soldiers. Airmen and sailors and 10 other states have sent in more than 1,200 Guard members. Many of those are providing air support, including 23 aircraft, some equipped with water buckets, others with systems that can drop fire retardant. I'm Christina Onestead reporting for KPFA. And I'm Max Pringle. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio. And this is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. Today, we're happy to be able to bring you our Labor Day special, of course, Labor Day weekend uh, coming up and Labor Day itself this coming uh, Monday. Labor Day was created by the labor movement in the late 19th century and became a federal holiday in 1894. In response to nationwide and decades-long uprising in defense of workers' rights, the U.S. Congress passed an act making Labor Day a legal holiday in the District of Columbia and the territories. On June 28, 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed it into law. More than a century later, the true founding of Labor Day has yet to be identified. The true founder, Labor Day was promoted by the Central Labor Union and the Knights of Labor, which organized the first parade in New York City. In 1887, Oregon was the first state of in the U- U.S. to make it an official public holiday. Let's go to a clip from Newsy now about the rise and fall of U.S. labor unions. The lifespan of American labor unions is shaped like a bell curve, struggling to climb at first, then riding high and finally crashing out. The whole up and down took about 200 years total. We need to go back to the 1830s to start. UC Santa Cruz professor William Dumhoff writes, Industrial development in the early 19th century slowly widened the gap between employers and skilled workers. So the workers began to think of the industrial factories as a threat to both their wages and status. Craft unions began to form, but they stayed mostly local, focused on things like clout and working conditions. Then, 1869, Dumhoff says the Knights of Labor was founded as a secret society by a handful of Philadelphia garment cutters who'd given up on their own craft union as having any chance to succeed and turned instead to galvanizing other workers through meetings and parades. Eventually, Violence became part of the picture. The Great Railroad Strike of 1877, sparked by railroad companies slashing wages by 10% and doubling some workers' responsibilities. The University of Houston explains employees walked off the job and they blocked commercial routes. It was the country's first major rail strike and witnessed the first general strike in the nation's history. The strikes and the violence it spawned briefly paralyzed the country's commerce and led governors in 10 states to mobilize 60,000 militia members to reopen rail traffic. With similar disputes ongoing, the American Federation of Labor, AFL, was founded in 1886 and quickly became the largest union. The Library of Congress says Samuel Gompers formed the AFL and tried a new tack. Quote, instead of trying to reshape the fundamental institutions of American life, The AFL focused on securing for its members higher wages, better working conditions, and a shorter work week. 1935, a major turning point. The National Labor Standards Act passes, making union busting illegal, and it told businesses they could not dominate or interfere with the formation or administration of any labor organization. Newly empowered and bursting with new membership, the Smithsonian reports, in 1955, 
organized labor reached the apex of its power. Almost one-third of American workers were union members. Well, didn't last long. By 1978, the Labor Law Reform Act was being debated in Congress. And while no major law ultimately clamped down on the groups, unions came under attack in the workplace, in the courts, and in public policy. As a result, union membership has fallen and income inequality has worsened, reaching levels not seen since the 1920s, says the Economic Policy Institute. All righty. And that gives you some uh, background there on labor unions. Organized labor, as you've heard, has taken a hit over the past few years with labor union membership uh, decreasing and limited success in getting unions on work sites like Amazon and right to work states. But Unions and other workers are fighting back, including in New York City, where union activists are organizing for local Amazon warehouses. Also, workers continue to fight for 15 and continue to get involved with the growing Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Also, gig workers, despite economic challenges, are also continuing their attempt to organize. And since August 10th, about a thousand union workers across five states who make Ritz crackers and Oreo cookies for Nabisco have been on strike over contract agreements. And Lastly, but very importantly, unpaid caregivers are continuing their campaign to be rightfully recognized as workers and to be paid. So there's a lot going on here with organized labor. Of course, uh, we next week we'll be doing a special on Richard uh, Trumpka, uh, the late president of the AFL-CIO, who uh, tragically uh, suddenly died. And uh, we are now seeing the AFL being led for the first time by a woman, Liz Schuler, who represents the 12.5 million union workers and 56 unions. In addition to her um, rise there and now heading the AFL-CIO, two black men, uh, Richard Redman and Tefere Gabre, were also elected to secretary treasurer and executive vice president, respectively. So we'll see the impact of all of this, but let us go now directly and welcome our guests for the hour. I'd like to welcome Larry Baragan, a 32-year member of United Steelworkers Union Local 675 and chairman of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition, and we partnered with the coalition and Larry in particular on this Labor Day special. Uh, Larry, welcome back. Good morning, Sister Margaret. Thank you for once again having us this year. You have many years hosting a special Labor Day show. Thank you. Okay, and I'd also like to welcome Ramon Ponce de Leon, president of IL. WU Local 13. He is a third generation longshoreman and has been in the industry for nearly four decades. He has been dealing with the COVID pandemic amongst his members who are very important essential workers that operate the Los Angeles Long Beach ports. These are the union's largest ports that supply food and goods for the United States and the world. Ramon Ponce de Leon, welcome. Uh, good morning, Margaret. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on your show. 
show. Well, thank you for joining us. And Armando Olivas, Executive Director of the Labor Community Services and Affiliation of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. Armando and his team have been instrumental in organizing food distributions throughout Southern California during the COVID-19 pandemic and continue to feed thousands of union, but not only union, also other uh, community members. Armando was a guest also on our last uh, Labor Day special. Armando Olivas, welcome back. Thank you. Good morning, Margaret. Thank you for inviting me back this Labor Day weekend. Okay, so uh, let us uh, start with this and uh, perhaps um, Ramon, starting with you because the COVID-19 pandemic uh, devastating in, in so many ways. And we, we also uh, note, by the way, that nationally, labor union membership are, are kind of split on the uh, COVID, you know, whether to wear a mask, whether to get vaccinated, et cetera. But I'd like you to talk a little bit as on this, our Labor Day special, of the challenges uh, that workers, the longshoremen, are facing. Because um, a lot of people are, you know, very unaware of the essential work uh, done by longshoremen. Ramon. Oh, good morning. Yes, well, uh, it's kind of hard. I've been going through this for the past year and a half, uh, and... Uh, I'm going to have to regress in the memory banks here uh, because we've also incurred the congestion situation. So that's been the, the hot topic. Um, going back to the beginning, uh, March, sometime late March, the COVID hit the U.S. and us in Southern California, particularly where uh, individuals were required to wear a mask and the protocols were being initiated. There was no blueprint on how to handle a pandemic, so everything was ad lib. Everybody was just doing uh, whatever uh, guidelines or agencies were, were sending down to us. There was a lot of chaos of who has the jurisdiction on what the protocols would be. Uh, so our Coast uh, uh, Labor Relations Committee, along with the PMA, designated uh, the protocols to follow the CDC guidelines. And uh, because, you know, we have OSHA, you have the health department, you have uh, various agencies in the state, everybody telling us <clears throat> how to work safe. Excuse me. <clears throat> anyway, um, the mask issue was very uh, relatively uh, not as, a, as, a, as big as uh, we thought it would be for the most part. Uh, the members of the ILWU, Class A, Class B, and uh, the casuals all understood that the cargo needed to be, uh, we needed to continue working and, and supplying the cargo because we are uh, a vital um, component to this nation's goods supply uh, from the ocean carrying cargo. So we uh, they understood that and for the most part everybody wore masks there was some hiccups uh the shield uh, issue and a few minor things but for the most part the mask issue on the protocol initially was was uh, uh there was a lot of cooperation although we couldn't get in 95 we couldn't get the proper ppe because it was going to the first responders most of our people were wearing cloth masks which 
people do today. And, and, you know, the CDC at that time, and it still says that the virus is only stopped with a proper PP, with, which would be an N95, and now we have this K95. But uh, our workers, that was some of the, you know, the, the crossfire. But we told them, in any case, if you're going to help each other, you're going to wear the mask, and you're going to go to work. So we all did. Right. Okay. Thank you, Araman. And, and Larry uh, Baragat, I mean, you're with the, the Steelworkers uh, Union, but as chair of the Los Angeles Long Beach uh, Harbor Labor Coalition, I know that you are in touch and, and work closely um, with the longshoremen, um, better known as, as uh, dock workers. Uh, tell us about the critical role um, that they play, but also a bit of uh, Local 13, ILWU, they have played uh, such a critical role uh, in the history of organized labor. Maybe that's a little unfair because you're with United Steelworkers Union, but Larry, I know that um, you have been in organized labor for a, a long time and you work with uh, so many other uh, labor unions as well. So can you weigh in a bit on that, Larry? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sisters of those of ILWU, are uh, essential and a very essential workforce to keep the goods flowing to the ports of Los Angeles, Long Beach, and the whole entire West Coast, including the uh, Panama Canal. Um, they're a large piece of the infrastructure that's important to the uh, America uh, people as far as we receive goods to the port. Uh, everything comes to the port, especially the now e-commerce. Everything's online being ordered. Everything's online, especially the spike of the COVID. A lot of people were not out shopping. But a lot of people were shopping online. Therefore, a lot of the goods being imported uh, through the ports uh, were were coming in uh, probably two, threefold than they used to have it. But the ILWU has a long rich history um, right here in the ports in the West Coast. Uh, dating back to the 1930s in the general strike and the late great Harry Bridges, who was very instrumental in organizing the whole entire West Coast. And it is the uh, backbone of organized labor, uh, especially here uh, in the L.A. area. The ILWU has been the cornerstone of our annual Labor Day event for the last 42 years. They're one of the original, if not the original, union that started the whole Los Angeles Long Harbor League. 42 years ago. So they're a very, very important player. Uh, we work with them very closely. Ramon's been just very instrumental in leading his sisters and brothers in the labor movement. And it's a very strong union. Uh, I have a lot of family members. Uh, my brother's ILWU. Uh, many cousins, uncles have retired. Um, it's just part of life here uh, in Southern California for many, many families. Um, and also for the labor movement in society. So we really, really, um, we really uh, have a lot of support, and it's one of the most powerful unions in the United States today. And we're really happy to have them um, support right. us here in the labor movement. Yeah, and I mean, ILWU, you know, have uh, played, as you say, Larry and Ramon, uh, quite a critical role there. I mean, and also taking some very principled uh, positions, in some cases, uh, shutting down the port 
uh, around some issues that are important uh, socially as well as as economically. So we want to thank you and and uh, really for our listeners who don't know about that history, we suggest that you take a, a look at it. But uh, before we bring Armando into this discussion, uh, Larry Baragan, you have said that IL. Um, WU Local 13 have been a critical part of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. But tell us more about the coalition because it's been quite remarkable because for decades you all organized the largest Labor Day event, I think, west of the Mississippi, something like that. And of course, that has changed now over the last couple of years uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but you're still very, very involved in um, uh, marking Labor Day. But tell us a bit about the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. What is that coalition? Who's involved in it? Larry. Uh, the coalition consists of uh, um, approximately 45 active local unions uh, within Southern California. It originated wow. 42 years ago due to a strike action in the oil sector. Shell oil locked out their workers during the strike. At the time, it was the oil, chemical, and atomic workers. The predecessor unions from United Steel workers here locally in Los Angeles area and up and down the West Coast. In solidarity, the Harbor Coalition was formed where many unions got together in solidarity on Labor Day week, 42 years ago, and marched down the streets of Wilmington, where we currently have our parade, and had a big rally at Banning Park where they uh, they uh, stood in solidarity and they were going to support the locked out oil workers of that time. ILWU led the way, which they promised to shut down the port in solidarity with the locked out oil workers. So that marked the original the original Labor Day event 42 years ago. Since then, it's grown to this coalition of 25 plus participating unions annually for our Labor Day event commemorating the very first event 42 years ago for Labor Day. Wow, that's that's an amazing, amazing history of uh, 42 years of, of history there. And just uh, the coming together of so many um, labor unions, because we know sometimes, you know, there, there are struggles that go on um, internally within organized labor. And the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor La Labor Coalition has uh, kept that flame of bringing uh, organized labor unions together. Armando Levis, Executive Director of Labor Community Services, which is a, an affiliation of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. You all have been really instrumental uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic. I mean, you were very active prior to the COVID pandemic, but tell us a little bit about the role you all are playing in the uh, COVID uh, pandemic. And, and also if you all have been uh, are being supportive of the event uh, that's uh, coming up this Labor Day in terms of the food distribution. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, we have definitely played the Los Angeles Community Services Program has played a, a vital role in providing services to uh, unemployed and underemployed workers throughout the pandemic, as you mentioned, even before that. 
Um, last year, we, we hit the ground running. Um, we knew there was going to be a need, a larger need than we usually see. Uh, when, the, when the stores were closing down, there was long lines for food and toilet paper and diapers. Uh, we went into action. Since then, we have been able to provide over 2.2 million pounds of food um, wow. from last March uh, until now, and probably over that. And what we did, Margaret, was we made sure that we moved our food distribution throughout L.A. County. Uh, so we were from Lancaster to the ports to the Pomona area out to the west side, uh, making sure that we went uh, around L.A. County and brought food to those that are really being impacted by the food, uh, by the pandemic. Uh, and that includes uh, other things. We were giving away diapers and baby formula and food and and um, so uh, it, it was a tremendous, tremendous undertaking. And, and I, I just can't tell you enough of the, um, of the volunteers that we had from all unions that every time we showed up somewhere, our sisters and brothers showed up with us side by side. Even in the height of this pandemic, when hospitals were full and, and people were, were virtually sick, and sick, we had volunteers coming out making sure that people will um, would receive these commodities, food, diapers, and, and, and what we were bringing um, to their table. Um, this this uh, Monday, Labor Day, we are uh, once again um, will be providing food to over 3,200 individuals in the in the Harbor area, Wilmington. Uh, we'll also be providing uh, diapers and um, school backpacks to children. We've added this this year a vaccine, so we'll have a vaccine corner if people want the vaccine. It'll be available during Labor Day. So, again, we're going to be there. We're promoting safe distance, wear your mask, clean your hands, and just keeping safe until we get through this. Absolutely. Just just amazing. And and right before we we're going to have to take our station break in just a moment. But um, Armando, others of you may want to weigh in on this as well. Uh, years ago, you all might recall when the AFL-CIO held its national convention uh, in Southern California in Los Angeles. And I attended uh, that convention doing some coverage. And, and when next week, when we uh, do the special on Richard Trump, I'll be sharing uh, some of the sound from that convention, but um, also that was where I met and interviewed uh, Tafari Gabre. So it's interesting to see the new role he's going to be playing now in the national AFL-CIO. And Armando, you might remember uh, people like Jerry Acosta, uh, Sam Weinstein, who came out of Local 132, the Utility Workers Union, and then went on working out of the national office. Uh, Jerry specifically for the AFL-CIO and Sam with the national president of the Utility Workers Union. So a lot of history of folks coming out of Southern uh, California. But Armando Trumpka, I remember the speech he gave at the time, and he talked about the importance of 
the community labor coalition, uh, that we can't just be concerned about the workers who are members of labor unions, but that it was really important to build that labor uh, community uh, solidarity. And it does seem to me, Armando, that some of the work that you were doing with the uh, community services, right, um, is, is really an attempt to really carry out what uh, Richard Trumka was talking about. Just a, a quick comment from you on that, Armando. Yeah, very, very good um, statements, Margaret. Uh, I happen to know Sam Weinstein very well and Jerry Acosta, and they are my my labor leaders that I've known for many years. I happen to be, as you know, out of the utility workers, Local 132. So we came up the ranks together, very, very stark labor leaders, both of them, Jerry and and, um, and Sam. But um, you're you're right. I was there at the AFL-CIO convention and in that in that time, and this is the the premise of that. What Richard was trying to do, President Trunka was trying to do, was saying, "Hey, listen, it's just not labor in in the labor movement, but it's the community at large that we can move better jobs, better working conditions, better schools, less less crime. That we have, we're all in this together." Let's build these these coalitions of community groups. And I think it was about that time that he brought in progressive community organizations to uh, to sit in the uh, on the committees at the national AFL-CIO. So it was that vision that it's not just isolated to a labor movement and those that are working in union jobs, but even those all workers, all workers, and all community. Um, groups that we should uh, we should bind together and look at how we make our communities much better and and how do we grow uh, work and jobs to build the middle class and I think that's what he was doing during that time and and then the the federation the LA Fed under the leadership of Miguel Contreras at, in that time he took on that and I remember inviting community groups to sit at at the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor Executive Board to be part of this movement to to include them and to build our communities. Um, so that that's that's uh, that's what it was, Margaret. Yeah, absolutely. And and lifting up, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Miguel Contreras, of course, Maria Elena Durazo, who um, uh, from H E R E, who's now uh, gone on and 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 doing such important work. Uh, Ramon, uh, Larry, and Armando, we're going to take a short station break, and when we return, we'll continue our discussion with you. Um, Labor Day is coming up. Um, the coalition is organizing the. Uh, the uh, Labor of Love food distribution event to help feed those who are in need, and we'll be bringing more information about that, but also more about this interrelationship between organized labor and uh, community. Stay with us. We'll be right back. See, I gotta draw a line, I can't take it no more If you ain't down with revolution, what you waiting for? Making money for suckers and not communities poor Ripping flags off of coffers, man, this ain't our war Colonizing and terrorized by the world's biggest killers The U.S. government, the biggest weapon and drug dealers Filling prisons with children, incarcerating the future MySpace and Facebook got us stuck on computers Stuck on stupid bumping music that's abusive to the shorties And the nonsense that they're spitting, they just listening, absorbing I've been dormant, I've been working, 
All right. So that is an updated Which Side Are You On by Rebel Diaz. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. It is our Labor Day special, and our guest, Ramon Ponce de Leon, president of ILWU Local 13, Armando Olivas, executive director of Labor Community Services and affiliation of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor, Larry Baragan, 32-year member of United Steelworkers, Workers Union Local 675 and chairman of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. We also want to thank Sojourner Truth friend and organized labor friend John Gibson um, for his help with uh, today's special. Check us out on Instagram uh, and Twitter, our handle at So True Radio. And if you're a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us on Facebook. And you can check out our website at So True Radio.org, where, by the way, we will have information posted on what's coming up. Um, this Monday, September 16th, Labor Day with the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition and the more than the 45 active labor unions who are part of that uh, coalition. And we're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. And across the nation, we would like to give a shout out to all of our organized labor uh, sisters and brothers. And internationally, we would like to give a shout out to our sisters and brothers now in Palestine. Uh, we are now going to return with our to our guests with our Labor Day uh, special. And uh, what I'd like to do now is to uh, we're going to focus a little bit on how organized uh, labor, um, how they are fighting back. Um, even with the hits that organized labor has taken, we see initiatives uh, coming up by people in uh, gig economy, Fight for 15, uh, Google workers, Amazon workers, fast food workers, domestic workers, caregivers, unpaid caregivers organizing. Let's go to a clip now from CNN about Google employees who are attempting to unionize. We actually started thinking of ourselves as a union, organizing in secret uh, to build our numbers to a place where we felt safe uh, coming out against, you know, a trillion dollar company. So we're ready to move into a phase of this where we're out in public saying, here we are. We're the Alphabet Workers Union. We want to represent everyone who works for Alphabet, uh, whether directly employed by one of Alphabet's companies or working for one of the vendor or contractor companies uh, that Alphabet hires. It's solidarity, right, and the power that comes from numbers. So. Uh, we've seen time and time again in the last five or ten years that executives at Alphabet really just aren't listening to what workers think is important anymore, right? They uh, they make business decisions that we don't agree with, and then when people try to speak up about them, they retaliate by uh, humiliating and firing them. So we're trying to build uh, an organization with the numbers and the and the power that comes from that to be able to say that's not acceptable. Management at large companies where uh, unions come out tends to follow uh, a small number of plays, right? There's a there's a playbook that they get from the union busting consultancies that they hire. And so we have a general idea of the kinds of things they might try to do. And one of them is fire some of us, right? But if the story tomorrow on the front page of every newspaper is Google fires 227 people for forming a union, uh, that's not going to go well for them, right? It is, in fact, illegal to fire people in retaliation for unionizing, and that's what we're doing. So the reason we're coming out now is that we feel that we're 
large enough, that we have the power from the, from the numbers that we've put together to stand up against that kind of retaliation and say, we're, there's too many of us, we're too large to just fire us all. It's scary, right? The, the bosses have the power to fire us, to take away our work. Um, but conversely, we have the power to take away our work, right? We do all of the work that builds the products that Alphabet sells, right? Everyone who drives a bus or cooks in the cafeterias or runs programs in the offices or writes computer software for these companies is, is doing the work that makes these companies function, that, that builds the products that the, these companies sell. And that gives us power too. So yeah, it's scary to go up against people who have the power to fire us, but we know that when we act together, we have the power to do something about it. All righty. And uh, Ramon Ponce de Leon, um, president of ILWU Local 13, let's go to you now. Um, you, your workers are already organized. We just heard that ABC, by the way, is referring to Google, Alphabet, um, referring to Google workers who are, who are now trying to organize. But you, uh, your workers already organized, have had a long and a really a, a a, a great historic role in organized labor in the U.S. I'd like you to talk a bit about the challenges uh, that your workers are facing right now. And the reality is, is that a lot of your workers, I mean, they're numerous, they're vital, they're essential, but for the average person, it kind of remains hidden. You know, you go into the supermarket, you go to food stores, you go to Walmart or whatever, and you get your products, and you're not realizing who are the people that makes it possible uh, for you to be able to get these products. So talk a little bit about, uh, with Labor Day coming up, about the challenges you're facing, some of your concerns, and whether um, you are feeling that there is now more of a friend in the White House, um, uh, Ramon Ponce de Leon. Well, you volleyed up uh, a lot of things that are happening right now. We, like we said before, uh, we, we play a vital role to the nation's economy, and it's and, uh, you have to be really careful moving forward because any time we go to protect ourselves, sometimes uh, the consumer doesn't understand that protection. But, but the unions in this nation balance the work and balance the play of, of corporate America. If we didn't, we'd be a third world country with people who are poor and rich and that's it, no middle class. The middle class and unions are the ones who pay the taxes. So the challenges we have are, are to, to maintain our integrity and strength with the, with the bosses. So working together in this last uh, year and a half with the employer has actually been pretty good because we have a common goal of keeping people alive during the pandemic. But as, but as the future uh, uh, is, is, is uh, still uh, uncertain, um, with the, the need, the e-commerce has hit. People have went to a uh, buying online more than rather than going to stores, and, and because of the pandemic, they aren't taking as many vacations or going out and uh, to visit restaurants and so and that what. So the challenge has been uh, people have doubled their their uh, their buying power by the e-commerce, and there is no equipment available. It's all it's all stuff 
somewhere, stuck somewhere. Chicago was shut down for seven days. That's the, the rail hub, which is one of the hubs we feed through Southern California by rail. Uh, trucking has has, uh, has taken. Uh, uh, I mean, if you go on the roads today, it, it's still it's so crowded, and uh, the congestion is everywhere, um, all over the world. So the congestion, as a result of the the, the pandemic and and the exposure of the uh, the e-commerce that nobody was ready for, uh, not anybody in the world was ready for the e-commerce. So the congestion, along with trying to stay healthy and trying to get people back to work during COVID, these are challenges not just with us, but that's for everybody uh, around the world. So um, one of the challenges is um, trying to get together with everybody uh, as a common goal to uh, get answers and solutions to to get the economy back on uh a stable and consistent flow. Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners, just to share a little bit about the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, they represent dock workers on the West Coast of the United States, Hawaii, and British Columbia, Canada. The union was established in 1937 after the 1934 West Coast waterfront strike, which was a three month-long strike that culminated in a four-day general strike in San Francisco, California, and the and the uh, Bay Area. The union has a single labor contract with the Pacific Maritime Association, which covers all 29 seaports on the West Coast of the U.S., from Billingham, Washington to San Diego. And uh, very recently, I mean, they've taken a lot of pretty militant actions in, in 2020, 38,000 dockyard workers shut down all 29 of the U.S. Pacific Coast ports to protest the death of George Floyd and in solidarity with the protests that were then uh, sweeping the nation. This was the largest action taken by the union in about a decade. So, Ramona, I hope I got that right. You could uh, correct me if, if, if I am wrong. But, uh, Larry, I want to get back to you, uh, you know, Given uh, this history, uh, not only of the dock workers union, but the steel workers union, I mean, the truckers, all of the workers that make the lifestyle that people have become used to uh, in the United States uh, possible. Uh, But Larry, tell us in a bit more detail what people can expect on the what you all are planning for this Labor Day and a way for people to find out more about it, uh, to get involved. I don't know if you need any volunteers. I mean, what uh, what's going to be going on and how can people support or participate in some way? Uh, Larry Baragan. Yes, yes. yes Margaret. Um, this Monday, Labor Day, September 26th, in the city of Wilmington, California, we'll be hosting the second labor of love food distribution. We have planned on feeding approximately 3,500 people that day uh, with produce, protein, meat, and uh, dried goods such as beans, rice, uh, pasta, etc. Also, we'll be distributing diapers for those who need diapers, which are highly expensive these days, and backpacks for the kids who are going back to food. Well, for the first time, uh, we're actually going to be offering 
vaccinations on site. So we'll have uh, various uh, activities going on, food distribution, the vaccination site. Um, it's going to start at 9 a.m. to 12 noon until we run out of food. Um, it's going to be located at 401 M Street, 90744 in Wilmington. That's 401 M Street in Wilmington, 90744, Wilmington, California. And we have plenty of volunteers, so we're, we're pretty well done on the volunteer portion of it. But it's open to all the community. It's not only for union members. Uh, we, we ask everybody to get there a little early because the line gets kind of long. Uh, we're offering everything free, no pre-registration as far as receiving food or vaccinations. Um, and it's all free, 100% free, all uh, supplied by a labor, loaded by labor in the car. Um, and it's, it's going to be a fun, festive day for all the volunteers. I want to thank all the various unions that are participating. Once again, ILW Local 13, Local 63, and 94 respectively, and also during the building trust and trade in Los Angeles or Orange County building and trades, and all the various unions of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. Uh, we will have uh, everything well organized. Uh, they will approach M Street off of Avalon Boulevard. So 401 M Street, 90744, Monday, September 6th, from 9 a.m. to 12 a.m. Right. Well, and we will also, we actually have that information posted on the Sojourner Truth website so people can uh, get information there. Just a wonderful uh, labor of love this uh, Labor Day. And Armando, before we uh, get some uh, final thoughts uh, from you and hopefully uh, fit in uh, briefly from the others as well, um, there is an old uh, labor union uh, song called Too Old to Work. Armando, you play so much the role of the interrelationship between organized labor and the families in the communities, as, as well as community members who are not necessarily uh, labor union members, but including uh, older people now who are also hard hit by this uh, crisis in food security. So we'll just go uh, directly to you, Armando, for uh, your final thoughts as for this Labor Day special. Thank you, Margaret. I, 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 I thought you were going to play too old to work because I've been doing this for over 30 years. And um, so I, I just, you know, this work that we do, it, it's just so, it, it's inevitable that what labor brings to the community, it's not just um, all the other good things about organizing bargaining and collective bargaining, but it's also that we give, labor has given to the community um, from their heart. I mean, they, they come out and they volunteer. They feed families. They provide, they support um, school um, uh, basketball and games. You know, we know that a good union job is the best social services program in Los Angeles and in the nation. Uh, my job as, as a union social worker, quote, unquote, is to is to provide the services to, to families that are unemployed and underemployed, um, just to get them back into um, um, a good place, and to get, get them back to work. If they're, if they're disabled or their disability or they're sick or the pandemic, we just want to help people. But I think the message is that labor is, um, 
um, they give to the community, have given to the community, build the middle class, a good union job would provide that kind of services to get people up and out in, in, a, in a strong community. So um, we, we have been around, Labor Community Services has been around for over 75 years. It's a national program. Uh, again, we help those that are unemployed, underemployed, not just union members, but anyone in the community. Our doors are always open and ready to serve those that really need help. And it's um, not a handout, it's a hand up. And that's um, what we do. Thank you, Margaret. All righty. And uh, we just have a little bit about a minute or so. So a very quick uh, final uh, thought uh, from you, uh, Ramon. Uh, you know what? Thank you very much for being on the show. Quick thought is, is uh, one of the things I tell our members, and I sh everybody should hear this, you strengthen the family, you strengthen the, uh, the neighborhood. So uh, people out there that are working, don't forget to take a day off and tell your loved ones that you love them and give them hugs and kisses when you can. Thank you. All right, very, very sweet. Well, I have to say, uh, to wrap our show up, uh, Larry Baragan, uh, you have just been incredible. A uh, 32 year member of the United Steelworkers Union, a uh, local 675 chairman of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. Thank you so much for the work you have done over so many decades. Armando, Ramon, thank you. I'm afraid we are out of time. We are going to have to leave it there. Um, the show produced by me, that's Margaret Prescott. I'd like to thank our assistant producer, Romero Funes, our audio engineer today, uh, Kiana Williams. Uh, if you'd like a copy of today's show, please go online to the Pacifica Radio Archives. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. Down the line, this is a union town, a union town, all down the line. And if you come to strip our rights away, we'll give you hell every time. This is a union town, a union town, all down the line. Today the police man a union